Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm deputy editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about Samsung and Samsung's wonderful foldable summer. They just hosted mm. their Unpacked event in, uh, in Seoul. For the first time. That's fantastic. And we've got a bunch of news out of that. Trillin, uh, as we all know, is our mobile goddess. So she will dive into all this stuff. And we've got some, we've got a fun guest to talk about all that too. Uh, and we've got a bunch of news, including, you know, what happened to Twitter. And we're, we're going to get into all that. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes and drop us an email at podcast at engadget.com. Our live streams, which we typically do Thursday mornings, are on hiatus for the summer, but we're hoping to bring them back in August. As always, let us know if you're enjoying them. Shoot us an email, please. So, Sherlyn, this week was Samsung's summer unpacked event, the thing I know you dread every year because yeah. we, we, try to, we try to plan out, like, when is news going to slow down, right? It's usually August, except for Samsung, except Samsung ruining all of our lives. And uh, joining us to talk about this is Sam Rutherford, senior writer in Gadget. Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing? Doing okay. So this is mostly you guys. I'm just going to like field your insights here. First of all, what is this event and what makes this year's uh, Summer Unpacked different than the previous years? I mean, I, I, I think Sam and I are in agreement. This year's Summer Unpacked is not that much different from previous years. I mean, they switched out some of the products, right? They launched a tablet instead of maybe earbuds this time around. Um, and it's a little it, earlier than normal. Usually it's like yeah. towards the end of August. So I don't know what the time frame shift makes a huge difference, but the location that. is a big difference, right? Like it's been New York that, yeah. for for years, for a while, like I think that was Samsung's goal. Is like we want to be the next Apple. We are the biggest goddamn Android company in the world, you know, and we want to shout it out. Now they're like, come to Seoul, everybody. That feels like a flex to me. Well, and this is actually the first time Samsung has ever hosted an Unpacked in Korea, which is kind of wild because like they're a Korean company. Why did it take so long? I don't know. Anyway, since it was in Korea, they were able to invite a lot of Korean stars. We had BTS, we had Twice, we had IVE. I mean, it's the unpacked I've been waiting to see and hoping for. Um, I didn't actually stay up and watch the live stream live because it was happening at 7 a.m. Eastern. That's when I usually head out to the gym. Uh, also, they had Sydney Sweeney of White Lotus fame or of Euphoria fame on <laughs> of there. Of Euphoria, okay. Um, and, uh, that's, that seems like weird. Like I understand BTS people. I understand like K-pop stars, Sydney Sweeney, who I think is a great actress, but they needed to target okay. the Gen Zers, right? This is Samsung's other, yeah. like last time we saw an unpacked event, they had Emily in Paris, right? This time they had right, Sydney right, Sweeney right. from Euphoria and White Lotus. The devices themselves were kind of, eh, but the event, like the location, the cultural, like people they had around there. Uh, definitely a bit more interesting than before. Who did we have? We had uh, Richard Lai was there, right? On the ground. Yes. And Matt Smith was covering it remotely from the UK. So yep. I don't, did we have any color from Richard? Like just what that experience was like? I haven't talked to him about this yet. I also haven't talked to him. The same thing with uh, with uh, Samsung's event being held in Korea. We have time zone differences. So whenever Arlai is up, I'm uh, asleep. <laughs> We're 12 <laughs> hours apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, look, the devices we were expecting uh, to see really came out. I mean, based on all the leaks that we have seen already so far, there is the larger external screen on the Flip 5. I think, honestly, that is the biggest difference this year to everything. Everything that Samsung announced this year, that was the biggest change. I don't know if you agree, Sam. Yeah, uh, and if you just look at the devices in total, we got a new Z Fold 5, a new Z Flip 5, uh, a new line of Galaxy Tab S9s, and the Galaxy Watch 6. And, you know, if we're going to cover, like, the, just the quick big bullet points, the Z Fold 5, you know, the big flagship foldable, that didn't get a lot of changes. Uh, you know, the gap, uh, there's a new flex hinge on both the, the Flip and the Fold, and that eliminates the gap between the, the, uh, the device, which is kind of nice. Um, but aside from that, you know, there's some new multitasking gestures, you know, a brighter main display, but same basic design. Um, the Z Flip 5, however, got a lot more just, you know, noticeable upgrades, uh, with the big one being a new front display. Um, and Sherlyn, you know, you had a tight chance to go hands-on with that. What do you really think about that display and how does that change the phone? To be clear, I like the screen a lot. I always said that like they needed a bigger screen, but the problem is versus their Moto Razor Plus that we've talked about a while ago. Sam, you saw that in in your hands-on and I reviewed it. Um, that thing, you can run full Android on the outside screen, right? It's 3.6 inch, it's like slightly larger. Samsung's 3.4 inch panel, which by the way, if you read my hands-on, uh, I lost my mind because they decided to rename this thing the Flex Window. I'm like, it doesn't flex! Yeah. What? Just the flex. Okay. The, the flex everything. Flex mode, flex hinge, yeah. flex window. Why? Well, anyway, I mean, if you want to read my whole like breakdown, mental meltdown over the naming standards, you can go read the. I feel like that's uh, so many of Sherlin's pieces now. Like, how, how is Sherlin's mind melting when she's looking at this device now? Yeah, my loopiest writing is honestly some of my best. Just go check it out. But okay, so so this screen though with Samsung's flex window, um, it doesn't run full Android like Motorola's version does. It runs kind of like tweaked One UI, which feels very much like Tizen to me. You just swipe sideways to see different little widgets. They basically ported their smartwatch interface over. Uh, all the way at the very end, you have like apps that have been sort of modded or optimized to run uh, fully or natively on this 3.4 inch screen. And you got like things like messages, maps, WhatsApp, Netflix, YouTube. And it's always such a treat to see YouTube and like a full QWERTY keyboard on such a tiny display. It's cute as shit. I love it. It's like a page for me- 2023 like the palm pre or something like yeah. those really, really tiny little ba baby baby phones like eh, it's, it's adorable and like to bring up the point again that back when we had a live stream rip slash bringing it back um we a viewer chimed in and said don't forget 3.6 or 3.4 inches used to be the screen size of the original iphone so basically yeah basically so so we're just a little too accustomed to larger screens now and you know this outside screen actually is capable of running full apps maybe samsung should think about that from what i saw it definitely seems like they want to do that it's just you know it's going to take some time and a lot of development like software optimization to really get that going because like you said for the apps that it works at you can watch youtube videos on the little screen it's actually kind of cute and it like it just makes the phone a lot more usable because hey sometimes you just want to like you know you can get a full keyboard on that you don't have to open it up and just to reply to a text message and it just makes it a lot easier to use a lot quicker to use and I actually think just the panel quality is better than what's on the Razer Plus. Um, not not to you know say anything about the actual usability between the two phones, but you know Samsung does great uh, mobile panels. Uh, so that outside screen is just like super sharp, super colorful. Um, mm -hmm. It's great. Are you and are you guys worried at all about repairability on these things? Because like once we, I remember Apple did Apple do it first with the iPhone four, but like once glass started going on the outside of the phone, like on the backs, so we were like. 
that seems like a problem. Now we're putting glass and full-on screens outside. Like, I, I don't know. Repair-wise, I, seems like an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not so worried. I think that, uh, so just to like rattle out a bit of the spec sheet here, um, th- this thing is covered in Corning, uh, Gorilla Glass Victus 2 uh, on the front and back. And I mean, to Sam's point about the display quality, this uh, 3.4 inch panel has like a 60 hertz, 748p sort of resolution. Um, it's not bad. I mean, I'm not worried about repairability because... I haven't cracked a phone in a long time. Jinx, whatever. Uh, but really? also, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then the last note on this uh, to 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 talk about spec stuff. That new flex hinge. One of the things it does not just to you know remove the gap. It also has this like dual rail system that supposedly helps diffuse impact. So I don't know what that would do, Sam. You know more about durability than I do, though. Yeah, I mean, the way I think about it is that like the repairability on foldables in general is just not great. And, you know, even if you go back to the previous generation, it was still a glass on the outside. So, you know, it's the same situation. It's just now there's like a display underneath. But um, like if the glass breaks, you can live with it, right? If your front panel display breaks and like you cannot use that part of the phone much anymore, that seems like a problem. Then you yeah. definitely have to get Guess it. Guess you open the phone. Ju- <laughs> ju- judging by the amount of people I see on the subway that have like cracked screens on their phones yes. not, not and they're not foldables, I think people are just going to deal. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, it's probably more of a big deal on the Fold 5 than on the Flip 5. I feel like the Flip, if the outside screen breaks, you still have basically a standard size phone, you know, when you unfold it. And you can just leave it unfolded, I guess. Um, but the Fold 5, I think. Sam, are you disappointed with that aspect ratio, though, uh, that that Samsung uses now? My So my question, and I kind of pose this in my hands-on, is that, like, Samsung has five generations of foldables under its belt now. Um, and, you know, compared to something like Google that just released their first foldable, you know, the Pixel Fold uh, this year, and it seems like the pace of innovation is really slowing down. So I'm kind of wondering, it's like, is Sam, did Samsung kind of squander its head start that it's had over pretty much every other, you know, smartphone maker when it comes to foldables? And it's like, I think... You know, maybe Samsung, you know, back at HQ somewhere, they they kind of think of the Z Fold 5, the form factor, as like a solved form factor. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And and I'm not entirely sure that's the case. As we've seen with the Pixel Fold, it's like, oh, man, hey, suddenly let's have like, you know, a more landscape orientation for that device. And it really changes how it, it you use it. Um, and so... I think there is more room for Samsung to play around with the design of the Z Fold 5, uh, but unfortunately they didn't do it this time. And I think that's something that I really like to see because like, you know, if you go back, I was like, hey, you know, the Z Fold 3 was like a pretty big design change and then the 4 came out and it was more of a polishing and then this feels like another year of polishing and I was like... Mm -hmm. Man, it's you want to be able to get more because if you look at the phone, there's a new Snapdragon processor, which is fine, you know, better performance, but that's kind of a given, um, you know, going from year to year upgrades. But the um, the rear camera uh, setup, the hardware is practically the same. Uh, they, you know, Samsung says there's some, you know, image processing tweaks, but the sensors themselves are pretty much the same. Uh, the under display camera uh, beneath the uh, flexible main screen, pretty much the same. And so uh, you're kind of wondering, is like, you know, what's going on? Battery size right. the same, and you know, so it's like, you know, I, there's some I, new I, multitasking gestures. You know, there's mm-hmm. a new t- two finger swipe in that you know launches side by side multitasking, which is very nice. And there's a an easier way to launch um, windowed mode multitasking by swiping in diagonally from the corner of the screen. But 
you know, a lot of it feels like software tweaks and And they're not you know, even major software tweaks. They're right. Like- and then remember, Samsung, they're the hardware company. They make excellent displays. They make excellent hardware. And it's like I, I really want them to flex that muscle. I'm sorry, I'm using Ooh, flex again. I <laughs> yeah. hate you, Sam. <laughs> I, yeah, had to do it. Um, but I, I really want them to like really own the like the foldable uh, hardware in ter- that like is kind of you know really cements themselves as like the industry leader that they have been for a long time. Yep. You, you yep. really want Samsung to keep changing things up, though, Sam. Like I do feel like every time that happens. It's like you're asking for disaster, right? Like to me, a a second year where it's mostly just polished, to me, that feels good. That gives me confidence that the the company is like, hey, we trust this. We know that this is good. We're just adding to it. The entire Fold Endeavor has felt like Samsung is trying to build a plane, you know, as they're trying to take off, kind of stumbled at the start there. Right. As it's going in midair, like, oh, we're flying now. We're flying now. Let's not, you know. I mean, I think think that's a good point. Like, you know, there there needs to be some stability among the foldable space. So you like, you know, we can't keep just like messing with people's expectations too much. Right. Um, I, I definitely think there's the part of that. But at the same time, if you want to keep things the same, you got to lower the price. So right. yes. and and Great. that's that's Great. the issue is that mm-hmm. the phone still costs eighteen hundred dollars, and it's like you know the the whole the whole big idea about like big smartphone makers is that they can leverage economies of scale and then you know bring the price down over time but this is the third year in a row we're we're, we're at eighteen hundred dollars and it's like you know if if this was closer to fifteen hundred dollars it would still be a very very expensive that would be phone. the way to beat Google too like right but that would maybe be, not exactly that would be the way to beat the yeah. Pixel Fold and beat some of its Chinese Chinese rivals yeah um Sherlyn, you were, you were saying something yeah no I mean to I was uh, a few more things just cropped up while you're talking but yeah t- my original point was to use Davinder's metaphor here it's like if Samsung were building the plane as they were taking off and then now they're at an altitude where they seem to be have to be coasting at the same height for a very long time now whereas someone like Google has like assembled the plane on the ground after Samsung took off and then is like flying and actually seems to be soaring a little bit higher than yeah. Samsung Good. Google be. like had a pair of binoculars was looking at that plane it's like <laughs> yeah. this is okay let's that do that wing design is off. not good yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that um, plane just then, crashed into the ground yeah <laughs> so now like I feel like Samsung and uh, and say Google are kind of neck and neck in that like airplane race and we're trying to see what they can do to reach a sort of destination or to like give us something like a better travel experience i guess the other point is the um the the price thing where sam you were talking about economies of scale and i don't think that we've we will see samsung make enough of them because there's not maybe enough demand for these things just yet that they might see enough economies of scale to pass on to there's no reason to lower the price other than to be like hey we're cheaper than google but i don't think samsung is trying to play that game especially apple's not here yet you know, That's I feel like I'm if thinking, Apple were yeah. here, um, they would they would maybe like just base their whole thing against Apple. One question so, I have for you guys, yeah. by the way, is that um, we've seen a lot of changes in Android recently, but it really does seem like Google and Samsung and all the other companies are playing their own different foldable game when it comes to software. Like, do we need some sort of like better unified Android approach to foldables that could kind of make this entire experience better across all the phones? Well, Sam, tell us about Android L. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, there's there's definitely something to that, and um, I think that is kind of the, the slower burn because you know Google has supplied a lot of these features in Android uh, v- via Android uh, L, and you know we're going to see more of these features get integrated into the main Android and Android 14, you know, later this fall. But the, the lag time is between Google making these features that are help optimize apps for foldable devices, and then 
they're available and then developers have to see these and implement them. And there have to be enough devices um, on the market for developers to be like, oh, it's actually worth my time to cater to these individuals, which right now remains a very niche, you know, part of the market. Um, and I think, you know, if I'm going by the numbers, I think Samsung has said that they sold 10 million foldables in 2021. Um, so that's, you know, that's not the most current, uh, you know, year. Um, but it's hard to say, like, is 10 million foldables enough for Samsung to, like, generate, like, some cost savings, you know, on, on the scale-wise? It's hard to say. And is 10 million foldables? That seems like a kind of drop in the bucket in terms of, like, you know, global device smartphone sales. So, right, you know, it's it's still a challenge for developers to be like, oh, let me let me cater to, you know, this very specific market, even though even if they are buying more expensive devices and maybe are more incentivized to, like, spend more money in apps. Here, I feel like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that, like, here's my question, and maybe this is deviating a little bit from what we were just talking about, which is a software question, but we're, we, we sort of hinted at it. If Apple came into this game, what would Apple's airplane look like, right? Like, what would, it yes. would be software. Apple's game would be, yes. like, they would have all the apps ready. They would, they would have all the interface They would solve this stuff. Android problem we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. From the start. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and and I think that's part of the reason why there is no Apple foldable iPhone yet, because, they can't you know, they're, they're, they're spending a lot of time making sure that, like, you know, iOS is ready for a foldable phone. And I mean, if you look at it, like there's still no touchscreen Mac yet, you know, you can get a touchscreen iPad. And so Apple, you know, is very much, hey, they take their time, they're going to polish it internally. And, you know, by the time they have something ready to show, you, you know, the people might not have the same issues that some of the, you know, us early foldable phone users have, you know, have encountered. I would say I don't even think that the question is in what iOS would do. It would be in what iPad OS. Yes. Would do. Mm, My money yes. is on the iPad Mini folding. I called it here, y'all. Whenever okay, Sam's so, so you're, you're, you're betting you're bidding on a foldable <laughs> iPad before a foldable yeah, iPhone. Yeah, I think we foldable iPad Mini. Mm-hmm, yeah, Simpatico mm-hmm. Dev. All right, we, we yeah, bet against Sam. So you pay us fifty dollars each. You know what? I, I I'll, I'll take those odds. We'll have to figure out figure out the numbers <laughs> later. But I think okay. I, I can see an iPhone flip style foldable coming mm. out um, mm. because I think that would that would uh, kind of sidestep some of the like app optimization things on bigger screen foldables. And uh, but it would still be very cute, very stylish, which I think is something that Apple might enjoy adding to their portfolio. Um, that said, who knows when this is actually going to happen? Yeah, um, yeah. Whenever you're, it happens, I think your money is mine, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're both you're both kind of right too. Like I look at the iPad Mini, and that is an adorable little device that is just as powerful as the rest of the iPad lineup. Um, I think it hasn't been fully updated in a couple of years, right? But I look at it, I'm like, that is nice. I would I would love to take that and slip it into my pocket, and I could see <laughs> an an iPhone level foldable, um, or an iPad, you know, an Apple foldable. Maybe not that big when it's unfolded, but certainly approaching that size would be interesting. And at the lower level, like just a plain iPhone flip type device for the people who want that. I also don't know. I could see Apple just ignoring the flip thing altogether. Could be. Because it, yeah. it, it, it is just kind of a nice thing to have, but not super essential. And I think um, it it just does not fit. Like they don't feel the need to compete with everybody. I'm trying to figure out like what is what is the ideal mobile, you know, foldable solution and to me it looks like an ipad mini i can just f- squash a little bit and make it yeah. more and, make and it my you know everyday device. if yeah. you were so inclined there's not really anything stopping you from using an ipad as your phone aside from the fact that it doesn't fit in your pocket but hey a foldable ipad mini 
Maybe. I know a lot of people who've done that because you could do all your calls, all your FaceTime and iMessage stuff like right from the iPad and maybe maybe that's it. Um, yeah. Back to Samsung really quick though. Uh, I know before I deviate. Yeah, there's, there's still two more devices we haven't even talked <laughs> yeah. about yet. There's a couple more devices and I will also say like uh, to like put a cap on uh, Devendra, your point about the software thing where it feels like Android manufacturers are kind of just playing their own software games. Yeah, I feel the same way about the Flip versus the Moto. Motorola's approach on the front screen to let you run full Android I love it. I can see where there there are issues, but Samsung's here like, no, 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 we're going to lock you in a bit. But then Samsung's being also a bit more upfront about the fact that you can run an app called GoodLock to to sort of force some third-party apps to run in there, but you have to like consciously make that decision too. Samsung's not going to be like, we'll build this into One UI. They want you to do that. So, you know, uh, speaking of One UI and Tizen type things, the Galaxy Watch 6 series, they run Wear OS 4 and uh, that's about it, right? The best thing about this <laughs> Watch 6 series we're we're seeing the physical spinning bezel again. Sure, Yay. that was great. Yeah. I, I'm I, I am so, honestly so happy. Uh, that was my biggest disappointment when they got rid of the physical bezel. And uh, you know, Sherlyn and I talked to some some Samsung people, and they said, "Hey, the consumers talked, and they was like, we want, we really want the physical bezel back. I don't know, you know, how much removing the physical bezel from the last generation impacted sales, but it seems that you know Samsung heard loud and clear that." There are a large amount of people who like the physical bezel. And as someone who's in that camp, to me, that has always been a signature feature of Samsung smartwatches. And I don't care if you want to make one that doesn't have it, but you should also have an option that does just for, you know, you cover all your bases. And, you know, it just makes things like, you know, dismissing notifications from calendars on your watch just so much easier because you just flick the bezel instead of like you have to drag your finger around like clockwise or counterclockwise and it's just it's just much easier to use or or even just eyes free use and eyes like eyes free use of the device you don't need to like you know have to keep an eye on the the actual widget you swipe through also just listen to this can you hear anything not hearing wrong well You'll probably hear it okay, on the quiet. audio podcast. Well, that means that means that it's so quiet. Samsung's engineered it so well. The <laughs> but you feel you feel the, the clickiness, right? You Which do. Is, it's so delightful. I love I love clicky buttons. I love things. I hate that cars yeah. are kind of moving away from that. So yes, it, uh, good it, on it, Samsung. Yeah, to me, yeah. that was all, always the like the perfect blend of modern technology with like old school tactile controls. It, it was such a good, good, like perfect marriage of that that I was like, I don't know why they ever went away from it. And, it's, but, uh, but now it's, it's back. It's funny to think of uh, Samsung's place in the smartwatch market too, because if you guys remember, I don't know, don't know if you were there, Sherlyn, you were probably uh, in high school, yeah. I think, at that point. <laughs> um, but I do remember when there was a lot of buzz about that very first Samsung smartwatch, the and that gear, was actually yeah. when I was at VentureBeat. That was a story um, Chrissy Farr broke, and I helped edit her, and that was like she ended up on Good Morning America. They started like because everyone was like oh, a smartwatch. What are you going to do with that? And I didn't think it was that impressive of a device. But mainstream media lapped that story up because Samsung was first and kind of innovative, I guess. Uh, do you talk about squandering a lead? A lead do you guys yeah. think Samsung kind of squandered like what they were doing with smartwatches? I think it's a little bit different because the perception of what a smartwatch should be and what it should do has changed wildly since people first... Because remember, uh, LG, and I don't remember if Samsung did it too, but LG had a smartwatch with a camera on it. And it's like, <laughs> yep. the whole idea of like... Oh, Samsung did too! Samsung did too! 
Yeah, 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 yeah Samsung did it too. And it's just like silly. And then like there are people like, oh, I want to play games on my watch and I want to watch movies on my watch. It's like, yeah. no, you, no, you don't. Remember Pebble games? Remember the Pebble like little the Pebble games, games were good though. There? Remember Pebble? Like how that, that was... Remember Pebble. Um, okay. Well, smart watches are a thing. Uh, hey, I, hey, Galaxy Watch 6 is back. Uh, you want to bring up some other tech it can do, Sherlyn, that we can't talk quite about yet? The other tech that the watch can do? Yes. Yeah. So, so okay. So, look. What we were able to see at our hands-on... I mean, to be clear, me and Sam all have review units of these different devices now, and I'm holding on to the Galaxy Watch 6. Uh, some of the biggest changes we can see like immediately are some size differences. I mean, the bezel that we've been talking about, it is like something like 20% smaller than the last time they had a physical rotating bezel on there. Um, I just looked at a video of it. It definitely looks a lot smaller. The, um, the bezels are smaller too. Yeah. So the, and on the, like the regular model where there's not a physical one, there's just a, like a, a border around the screen. Um, that bezel is also smaller. So that's nice. The design seems very similar, very familiar, except for, you know, some changes, touch tweaks here and there. And it looks a little cleaner, but some of the big differences come in software things. So lots of updates to sleep coaching, sleep insights. Uh, obviously I, We'd have to test this out. Uh, long time Engadget listener, Engadget podcast listeners will know I hate sleep testing, but this year yeah. I have someone to pawn it off on. So it'll be our new health and fitness reporter, Malak, who will be testing the sleep Yay. features, which will be great. I can have a good night's sleep. Um, but there's also a lot of stuff coming by way of like an FDA approved sort of uh, not I'm not sure the wording. It's not FDA approved, maybe cleared um, irregular heart rhythm notification feature that will prompt you to take an ECG when it detects something that suggests potential AFib, atrial fibrillation. Um, so that's interesting. And then also you can do like a 10 minute run to calibrate your running heart rate zones to optimize your training so you can more consistently and more accurately perhaps stay in a fat burning zone that's more uh, tailored to your heart as opposed to like, oh, 80 to 120 BPM is fat burning for everybody. Yeah, that's true for everyone. Sure. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, we have a lot more to kind of uh, go into during our review. So for now, I do kind of hope these devices get smarter because, hey, folks, uh, it is a very hot summer here. Uh, on, uh, we have been breaking heat records across the globe. In I'm many sweating parts as of the we US. speak. Just FYI. Uh, yeah, the air quality is terrible thanks to the Canada the fires in Canada, which are still going on, and we occasionally get smoke and smog from it. I almost wonder, like, we need we need kind of, like, integrated, hey, I want to go for a run right now. What's the AQY? Maybe you should not go right now. You know, like, maybe give me that alert before I go out there and start uh, coughing because of the smog in the air or something like that. So I feel like we, we need, like, a more unified approach to Hey, strap on your Dyson activity. zone while you go on this run. Yeah, so you can look like sub-zero while you're uh, oh going while you're out for a run. you're in above 100, right? Sub-zero Does that keep you 100. cool? Does the Dyson zone actually cool you? It has fans, you right? It has, but it's stupid because I'm sorry. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I like you, Dyson, but damn, these headphones are huge and clunky. It like, looks, uh, yeah. I can't. I run with it and it falls off my head. Probably. I don't know. I've never tried. I would. It's basically quickly. a helmet that's less secure. Yeah. 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 It's super. It's a super helmet. Um, let's talk about one thing that we never really get much chance to talk about, which is Android tablets. And there's a Samsung Galaxy Tab S9 Ultra. Is the thing? Or any? Is anybody buying these tablets? What's new here? These are the most premium Android tablets around. Mm -hmm. I think at first glance, I don't know about you, Sam, when I first saw them, I was like, ah, oh, these things are so beautiful. I mean, they always yeah. have been, but they look yeah. so good. It, 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 the, the, like, just like from the moment I picked it up, it's like, oh, man, like Samsung does really good hardware, qual build quality and hardware. And it's like they're so thin and it just 
really like you can tell that the build quality is really way up there. My my one question is that there's three sizes. There's the standard, the plus, and the ultra, which is huge. But the issue for me is that it's a really long aspect ratio. It's like super widescreen. And I just don't know if that really works because like what's the competition, right? The competition is the iPad Pro. And the iPad Pro has a more square design that makes it like a lot better to use, especially if you connect, you know, a detachable keyboard and a pen. And so, you know, the long aspect ratio is really nice for watching widescreen movies and all that. But outside of that, it just feels kind of awkward. Is it actually sixteen by nine, or is it like taller? It, it looks it, like it's it way it's way taller. Um, okay. Let me let me pull up the yeah. Specs. That'd be good. It seems like if you watch a standard widescreen movie, you would probably have borders at the top and the bottom. But I almost wonder yeah. about the the super widescreen, the anamorphic widescreen stuff. And, yeah. and- Here's the thing we we hate on decks a lot here at these between me and Davindra. No, no, I like it. Sam is one of the people that likes decks, and Sam can can uh-huh. take the side of those people because I know a lot of people who watch these videos who also listen to the podcast are against me and Dev when we hate on decks. I get it. Some of you really like it, and sometimes it works really well. What I don't I I guess I guess you buy a la- can, tablet like this we, to use Dex on like what can we yeah let's refresh what is Dex yeah. and what is Sam, with Sam Dex will tell us what yeah. Dex is what so, is Dex? so Dex is kind of uh you know Samsung's uh built-in desktop like operating software so you know if you want to you know you still have your standard Android UI with all your big icons and stuff like that. But if you want to get some work done on it, you can press a button and boot it into Dex mode, and then you get a taskbar along, along the bottom. You can have windowed apps. You can have you know a desktop that you can drag and drop stuff onto, and so it just feels a lot more laptop-like, which is what you kind of want if you want to like use it as a hybrid device that's both hey a content consumption device, but also you want to get some work done. Well, I, I think my hatred of Dex came back from when you plugged in a phone into a monitor or a TV and that was Dex. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, here's a desktop mode and you could do your work on your Samsung tablet and or phone. And that never worked very well on its own. I, like on a I device, think it, it seems good. works mm-hmm. well on a tablet. I agree. I think my problems with Dex always came from the fact that like some things just wouldn't work. So keyboard, the keyboard experience, terrible because the shortcuts are just not the right shortcuts I want. They're not really great. Um, but for the most part, I will say Dex has, uh, Samsung with Dex have done, has done what? And Google couldn't for Android. And which is to create a really actually surprisingly good Android desktop environment that even rivals or may even be better than, dare I say it, iPadOS. Like I think Dex might be better than iPadOS. I'm sorry. I, I will not follow you down this road, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it is worth giving Samsung credit for doing things that once again, Google is not. Like here, here is a platform. Here's Android on tablets, which we have kind of made fun of for a while because it seems like Google has ignored Android tablets since that initial first wave, especially since like the Asus 7 inchers. I remember reviewing a whole bunch of those. Um, but yeah, the idea of desktop uh interfaces, the idea of like having multiple apps and making apps better suited for big screens, Google has fundamentally ignored. So it was really up to Samsung and other manufacturers to deal with it. And that's why Samsung's pretty much the only one left making uh decent uh Android tablets. There is Amazon, but Amazon went the other direction. It's like no Google stuff, also Amazon stuff, you know. So Yeah, they they lean into the more the kids aspect and the family yeah, aspect and, and more than any sort well, of productivity don't... uh capabilities. Don't forget the Fire Max 11 came back with productivity sure, software sure. in mind. So don't forget. I mean, uh, they, they are there. Everyone is trying except Google. And this is once again where I have to reiterate, like, what are you doing? I, here's the thing. I feel Just like Google tried. Remember, we heard about, we've yeah. heard about Andromeda for a very long time. We've heard them try to blend Chrome OS with Android for a very long time. They just right, said right. not 
doing anything that really works well with it. Sam, though, you were pulling up the uh, aspect ratio info for us. I see 16 yeah, by a, 10. It's a 16 by 10 ratio, um, but it, it, it looks even longer than that or wider than that in person. But, you know, when you consider the iPad is what, uh, 4 by 3, um, you know, it's it's noticeably different. Um, and, it, and it just it just feels out of place. And especially when, like, you know, you have a lot of laptops that are shifting to 4 by 3 displays. Um, it's like, you know, you want... I, I feel like I want something that's closer to the laptop um, side of design in terms of more on the content consumption desi- uh, side of design. Because regardless, even if you're watching movies, you're still, like, you know, Devendra said, you're still probably going to get some sort of letterboxing at 16 if you're by watching 10, yes. widescreen movies. Yeah. You definitely will. Yeah. My question, are they all 16 by 10? So all the... Yeah. All the they are, That yes. seems like a mistake. That seems like... I, I kind of hate super uh, wide displays because when they're not tall enough, it feels like you can't get enough work done. It almost feels like they should have had like four by three at the small and middle range, and then this for the people who want that laptop. Right, experience. especially if you know if you're in that productivity mode, you mm-hmm. have things like taskbars and stuff like that taking up your vertical real estate. So you mm-hmm. want more of that, um, but unfortunately, they they went for you know something a little bit wider. I just want to list some specs here because it is pretty wild. The Tab S9 Ultra, the biggest one, has a fourteen point six inch. Yep. AMOLED display. It's 120 hertz. It supports HDR10+. This is something Samsung has always excelled at. So if you do want, like, if you're big on Android and you need, like, a big Android tablet, I feel like this is the thing to invest in, uh, one of these. Um, I remember when the Tab S2 or S3 came out, and that was, like, probably a decade ago at this point. It was one of the first tablets with AMOLED, and it looked incredible. And it blew even the iPad away at that point. So it's nice to see Samsung at least still in this game. I just wonder about the software side of things. Anything else you guys want to mention about this or any of the Samsung stuff? There is a new mode where you can uh, mirror your mirror your screen or send like use your Galaxy Tab S9 as a display for your phone, which I think is you know kind of nice. But I haven't really had a chance to really test it out to see how I feel. Samsung's been doing a lot of that stuff too, right? Like multi-window or like, uh, remember right, back right. in the day when they made the Active Notebooks, they did Samsung Flow and that was the like inter-device software thing. So yeah, Sam definitely, we would love to test our device out to get that um, experience for ourselves. But uh, my, I would like to wrap with, I mean, obviously I'm not the biggest like Android tablet user nowadays, barring the Pixel tablet, I guess. But everyone else listening to this seems to have an opinion. So send us your thoughts about the Samsung devices. Uh, anything you might have to add or, you know, just tell us whether you want us to bring the live streams back. Uh, <laughs> send us everything at podcast.gadget.com. Okay, thank you so much, guys. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, things are going to get about uh, a lot dumber here. Because uh, <laughs> cool. over the weekend, there was a lot of stuff happening around Twitter. And uh, I think out of nowhere, we heard that uh, Elon Musk just sounds like, hey, 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 Uh, we are bidding adieu to the Twitter brand, he tweeted on July 23rd, and gradually all the birds. And that signaled a shift to his long-term dream of building something called X. And Twitter is now rebranded to X. Uh, They were in the process of changing the logo outside of their San Francisco um, you know, office, uh, x.com now <laughs> forwards to Twitter. Um, except, except one thing they forgot yeah. to get the uh, working permits yes. for the construction. So the cops apparently came yeah. while they were taking the sign down and they had to stop. Had so to stop. I don't I even know the if they finished, finished uh, adding that new sign onto their building. If, if you need a symbol of what is happening right now on Twitter and like, that's everything it is, uh, Elon Musk wanted to change that sign and didn't get the permits and now he can't. And now it's a halfway screwed up job. Uh, so Twitter is now X. The X logo is 
kind of a nothing burger. It's actually a Unicode symbol, I believe. Um, the X trademark people were talking about, like, is something you can't really trademark because it is assigned both to Microsoft and I believe Meta, Meta has yeah. it on the social network side. Microsoft has it on the gaming side. You can't Google it because it's just the letter X. When you tie X to anything online, it just makes you think of porn. Just a, just a cascading array of stupidity happening here. But this all is because... Elon Musk really wanted to own X.com. That was something he was trying to do since like the PayPal days in the late 90s. He was kicked out of PayPal because of that, because he wanted to build the everything app back then. It sounds like, what was the, I, I don't see the tweet from the, the current Twitter CEO. Um, but Linda Yaccarino? Oh. Yeah, she was saying like, oh yeah, this is going to be you know the app for everything. It's going to, oh my God. I'm going to look up that tweet, but what do you guys think about this uh, first off? X gonna give it to you. It's gonna give it to you. That's all. Is I got. it not? Is it not gonna give it to you? Apparently. So, so you know, I, I was thinking the other day, and this is maybe a, a free, you know, uh, money idea for whoever's listening. Is you know how there's that uh, Twitter account uh, killed by Google? Someone needs to make a Twitter account that's all the things Elon tried to do, but then couldn't because he didn't think it through properly. <laughs> Excuse me. You mean an X account? Yeah. Not uh, a Twitter sorry, account. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and it's. Uh, Elon was actually out on on. It's still called Twitter on my phone, so I'm gonna keep calling yep. it Twitter for now. Same. And he was out on people like telling me it was like, don't call it Twitter anymore. It's X now. And I'm like, okay, clearly your rebanding didn't work if you're out there like individually telling people to change what you're calling it. I just um, think it's so funny. You guys, I'm losing my mind. I think it's so ridiculous. It's like X. What, what? Like, I can't say the word X because, like, X refers to so many other things, first of all, like Devendra already said. But what is... Okay, so Devendra, what do you think is his obsession with that letter I, or that name? Listen, what, Why? what did you guys do when you were in school and you were just doodling? What was the one thing everybody did? It was draw that cool-ass X yeah. thing. Y'all had different over. Yeah, he, he, he must have a similar relationship have with the X. And he's, yeah. he said, like, you know, you mentioned before, he keeps a cool trying to change. Yeah, the S, yes. I realized, not an X. The S it's the same, it's the same thing. It's the same. It's being obsessed with, like, this symbol, this thing. But the the man has the mind of a teenager. Yeah. He posted a tweet saying, hey, I just really love the letter X. And so he's been any time, any, like... you. Uh, he and there's like screenshots like, hey, space X is also a thing. Yep. And he posted uh, the model Tesla X. Model X. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, he I don't know what it is. He really loves the letter X and he keeps trying to do everything in his life and converting it to an X somehow. His kid's name. His kid's nickname yes, is right. X. Just so you yeah. know. Uh, among the ones you can pronounce. Yeah. So. Right. Let's just, uh, Carissa Bell at Engadget, our social media reporter, did a great piece uh, pointing out that this rebrand to X could worsen its legal and financial problems. Hey, it turns out a big decision was made that he didn't fully think through. That is the story of Elon Musk's life. Um, dude got really lucky once, and we're, we're still kind of giving him credit for that. Um, the at X handle. Oh, God. <laughs> they just stole it from some dude and just... Just kicked uh, someone uh, off it, yeah. They kicked somebody off with uh, Gene X Huang, who is a photography, he's from a photography studio called Orange Photography. Uh, yeah, they just pushed him off and gave him um, a random one. It was like X12345. Uh, they said they'll give him some merch. Maybe he could come meet the team, but no, nothing monetary. They Not did that him we so dirty. It. Treat him so dirty. Like treat somebody who is clearly at using Twitter for a very long time, but doesn't matter. You gotta you gotta X it up. Um Elon Musk, there was also news that Elon Musk is cutting ad prices and potentially 
uh, pushing companies that they would lose their verified status if, if they don't spend at least $1,000 a month on ads. He says this is to weed out, um, you know, spam and trolls, the things he's creating with his stupid Twitter blue system. Um, but that is what's happening. Also, recently, I saw this news happening. Um, there was a story about uh, there was a CSAM image, a couple CSAM images, so child sexual abuse material. Uh, it was one user, Dom Luker, had posted it, and it was up for hours. People were, I was seeing on other social networks, people were like saying, um, hey, I visited Twitter, and I was just confronted with this thing. And now I, I can never go to that site anymore. It's disgusting. Um, so Dom Luker posted images from a video that, uh, somebody was arrested basically for sharing these, uh, these things. Um, his account was banned. That post was taken down. Um, then his account was reinstated and, uh, Elon Musk says, uh, he said only people on their CSE team saw those pictures. Not true. Public, public users saw those pictures. For now, we will delete those posts and reinstate the account. That is the... That is his response to somebody sharing CSAM. So to me, that is the last straw. I feel like for a lot of people, the X rebrand was the last straw, but clearly it's only getting much, much dumber. Um, Sam, you also brought up like this uh, X rebrand is getting the site blocked under Indonesia porn laws. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, the previous, uh, the X.com domain previously hosted some uh, pornography, which is, uh, you know, not, uh, especially not very. Uh, kosher in is in indonesia which is like a very you know large muslim population uh and it was you know kind of blacklisted and so they're not being allowed uh, they're not allowed to be switched to the new x.com domain uh at least for now uh it seems like twitter's going to appeal that somehow but you know who knows where that's going to take us i want to reiterate there's a story going around there's an excerpt from a book um one of the books about the founding of spacex uh liftoff elon musk in the desperate early days that launched spacex by eric berger there's a wonderful story here around Elon Musk confronting Pop-Tarts for the first time. Here's a quote. Elon comes down, he walks over to the breakfast bar, and he picks up a package of Pop-Tarts. And the funniest thing to me was the fact that most of us take Pop-Tarts for granted. He was transfixed. This was like a scene out of 2001 A Space Odyssey when the apes examined the monolith. It was clearly the most fascinating thing he had seen that morning. This person goes on to say, uh, Elon uh, realized you got to put in a toaster. He put them in the wrong direction. He put them in um, sideways. Um, and then when it popped out, he had dropped because it was horizontal. He had he was burning himself trying to get the Pop-Tarts out of the toaster. This can is I, your king? This is can your I just king? say? Yeah. Can I just say? So I had my first Pop-Tart for the first time late last year. I also do the thing where I slide them in the toaster that way. Uh, so I have burned myself a few times on Pop-Tarts. And this is what I say to engage listeners. This is your queen? <laughs> yes i am bow down to me but also no, but you know you you did not grow up uh in in america or like i, I don't I know say yeah you 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 gotta you're you outside of pop tarts in the u.s and yeah, i don't know I maybe up, it's the same thing too. in south africa but a lot of people are taking this like the man does not even know a pop tarts and trillin i think you get a pass because um we still have to remind you about metal and microwaves you know it's just things things cooking Shh, don't tell people again don't remind to, them we just don't have remind to be people. With. Sam knows the story, I think, right? Sam's it's okay. Well, thank I, you for this, ruining. This is the first I'm hearing. What, are you trying to put forks oh, in the microwaves again? Yeah. No. Shalim burned down it, her uh, space, her apartment in Spain. One, 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 e, one MWC I accidentally, sort of accidentally, just left. It's okay. It happens. I have a friend, um, listen, uh, relating a story, but uh, Dan Trachtenberg, the director of Prey, once put an electric tea kettle on uh, the stove when he was oh, visiting God. the UK. 
it happens. These things happen. But man, it's uh, it's amazing. Anyway, this X rebrand is uh, is kind of a disaster. I feel like as hell between this and the sort of like CSAM stupidity and just like I just I'm there. I poke my I poke my head in to see what is happening. I try not to like contribute too much, but man, it is just garbage. Um, But you know what? Uh, Not it seems like every social media site is dealing with these issues. Like none of this is new. Uh, there was a report uh, going around uh, from Stanford university's uh, internet observatory. Uh, they analyzed 325,000 Mastodon posts over two days and found 112 specific videos or images of CSAM content uh, that directly matched content that was flagged. Um, so these, it seems like people were sharing these out in the open on some Mastodon servers. Remember, Mastodon is fully decentralized and it's fully, it's up to server administrators and server users to like report things and flag things. That is a hit or miss, um, you know, solution. And it seems like it didn't fully work here. Um, yeah, clearly Mastodon has a lot to deal with too, but it wasn't the head of the freaking company being like, this is cool. Let's just bring this guy back. I think these are problems we're going to have to live with because humans are disgusting. And you put humans together on a social platform, they're going to be disgusting. Say, if you online. needed any reminder that social media is still a big tire fire, uh, yeah, there you go. Tire fire. I like that. Tire thing. fire. That's a good one. Um, okay. So, yeah. Speaking, big Twitter speaking, mess. Yes. speaking of living with issues, uh, this week we saw the Biden administration announced that it, this is a very strange way of announcing, which I don't know the American like legal or legislative system, but the Biden administration or Biden-Harris administration announced, I think on like Tuesday, that they were going to propose a rule on Wednesday. Why <laughs> There's two steps to it. Um, but basically, the, the administration is going to propose a new rule um, that would improve online access to state and local services for people with visual, hearing, cognitive, and manual dexterity disabilities. This is ahead of the 33rd anniversary of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. I just thought it was worth flagging. Yeah. Um, we we don't think about this, right? We, I mean, we a lot of people live with these problems that shouldn't really exist. Uh, people who can't access web or mobile-based uh state and local services like filing taxes, registering to vote, applying for social services, accessing their own records, registering for vaccines, and for some students taking online courses. Um, So the rule that the administration is proposing would establish uh, accessibility standards for at least state and local government's web and mobile app-based services. Not clear yet the details, but I would imagine it would i mean some of the uh, description here says it would include text descriptions of images so that people who use screen readers can understand what the the content is providing captions on videos enabling navigation through the use of a keyboard instead of just a mouse for people who don't you know have the dexterity to use a mouse and then um some other things i'm sure that they will get into that they just haven't spelled out just yet so it will, according to the the statement that was released, would ensure that students with disabilities can access course content for the courses they enroll in, including high level math and science. Improve voter registration websites so that voters with disabilities can register independently, and then people with disabilities can commute to work by helping them access bus and train information routes online. So, do you, I mean, like we don't think about these things, but like at the state and local level, they already should have these things built in, but they can't. And can you imagine living with that? Like, oh, Jesus, mm-hmm. man. It just seems, I mean, first of all, it's uh, it's good to like push for these better standards. I feel, also feel like it's part of a push to better design for online services in general, too. Like these things help nor- like everybody. It helps everybody uh, because 
right now, a lot of I'm in Georgia, and the state website for local tax, uh, for state tax, is a disaster. So oh. many of the state, like everything, um, yeah. the forms to enter feel like they're ancient. I don't know if they're fully secure. Sometimes, like the design, how to find things is kind of a mess. So, yeah. hey, yeah, this is this is a it's good also. Call. It also speaks volumes of the uh, online infrastructure for America. I'm sorry, but y'all fall back to print for everything. Y'all fall back to in-person for everything. And it's not, that's not the way to go. I'm sorry. Like, you can't just snail mail me something and expect me to be on top of it Or you time. have to come to an office building and bring, like, right. three forms of identification to deal with this yeah. uh, piece of bureaucracy. It's the year yeah. of our law, Lord 2023. <laughs> so get with it. America. Get with it. I mean, there was a story not too long ago about the FBI still using a lot of like old, old ass computers because that is that was the state of the infrastructure there. Uh, we have a lot to change. But yeah, this is a good change. And I hopefully I hope it actually leads to something happening. Also, in good news, uh, we saw the announcement that uh, General Motors says a next generation Chevy Bolt is on the way. And this is kind of fascinating. Sam, I know you've been covering some EV stuff because we were all lamenting the loss of the Bolt. The Bolt was GM's very cute, very affordable little EV. It was super popular over the last few years. And it does seem like GM and a lot of car makers were, they want to push their big, expensive uh, EVs. Uh, the you know the stuff that will generate a lot more income for them versus these cute little guys. And I thought that was a mistake for them. It seems like they're turning this around. Sam, any thoughts on this? The Bolt, you know, it had some issues because it was being made in a factory that was uh, needed some retrofitting and it was using, uh, you know, older battery technology. And so they, you know, the Bolt line needed a big revamp. And so, you know, the old Bolt was going away. But, I, you know, I'm like you said, I'm very excited to see that, you know, GM isn't ditching it forever. There's going to be a new Bolt, you know, a fresh design. And I, I just like what you said, uh, there's a lot of big electric SUVs uh, that haven't been announced recently. Um, but there's if you want something small, your your options are really, really limited, um, especially, you know, it's and if you look at the average price, uh, the average price of uh, EV is around fifty five to sixty thousand dollars today. That's just not very affordable. Um, and, you know, you have something like the Bolt, um, much more affordable. It's good for cities. And, you know, it doesn't have the, you know, 300 mile range that like, you know, a model uh, Tesla might have or, you Nobody know, one of those competitors. That. Yeah. But, you know, if if you just want a city car, I think we need more of these options because you like you, you were testing out that Rivian. It's like, do you want a parallel park or like a big Rivian truck or SUV? It's like it's just difficult. That that was my main takeaway from the Rivian. Like I tested the R1S. I feel like it was too much car. I will have some coverage around that. But I also felt like nobody needs a freaking huge 800 horsepower EV. I feel like that stuff is getting dangerous and we're going to see some. Maybe not some great um, outcomes from that. Like, I want more EVs out there. We want the push for EVs. Um, Chevy has three other EVs coming this year. The Silverado, which is big. The Blazer, which is more like RAV4 size. And the Equinox, which is also a big, big truck. Um, or not. Is that the big truck? Yeah. It, it is a truck type thing. The Blazer, by the way, is featured in the Barbie movie. And it looks very adorable. I love the I love the interior colors. And I love the overall style of it. But small EVs, um, which are great for people, uh, for small families or for couples or even for like, you know, individual people. Uh, it seems like this or the Nissan Leaf um, will be really useful solutions going back um, for a lot of these, you know, a lot of these cars. Um, 
there would it would be you save on um, resources like you don't need as big batteries you don't need as many things to build these cars just seems like it would be better for everybody so i am hoping we see more smaller evs moving forward uh that really cute honda like that we we covered it's only in europe right now but steve dent did coverage for that for us and i wish we would get more stuff like that so hey this is good news uh Sherlin, maybe when you're actually driving like this <laughs> a cute sized car will be something more than a more than a big suv i think that'd be what you actually need i would love yeah especially when you rent or something we will do more coverage around this too because i think there is more reporting now that a shift to EVs will be great. It will not solve our problems. And then we also have issues around tire pollution, which has not really been discussed that much. But that is the thing that is in the air. And that is not, you know, that is going, uh, making the environment worse as well. So we'll be following all of that. Let's move on to our next story, which I just want to briefly mention because uh, astrophysicist Avi Loeb, I think is uh, <laughs> is kind of a crazy man. And for the past couple of weeks, he's been talking about his alien balls. These are balls that uh, were discovered. He went on a um, he went on a tr- uh, like a search mission for um, let me see here a search mission funded by a cryptocurrency billionaire or entrepreneur to recover evidence of a fireball that they calculated. And by dragging a magnetic sled on the bottom of the ocean floor, they discovered tiny little spheres, which Loeb described as appearing as uh, beautiful metallic marbles. And then he went on to have a lot of different quotes. He told several uh, news organizations that clearly these are like fragments of alien technology and they maybe they'll have AI in them, kind of out of nowhere. And since then, a lot of his colleagues are, are saying, do not believe this man because this is not good science. Like he's basically presenting a hypothesis without proving As anything. if it were fact. As right. if it were fact. Like he is he is basically acting like that. And because he um he is at Harvard, he has a sort of a, he is a Harvard professor. He has the prestige of that institution behind him. Uh but he that he's basically using that to say whatever he'd like. And pretty much no other scientist agrees with him. These are these are unique sphericals. Um we also see spheres appearing all over nature, including the shape of planets and other things that we have seen. So yeah, the idea that uh, metallic balls are forming isn't exactly new or interesting. Um, Is I'm it crop circles to... or? I mean, crop... <laughs> we also know crop circles are not, not real. <laughs> Listen, we, there was also the, the alien, the UFO hearings this week. And we're not going to talk about that because that's also pretty much filled with a bunch of cranks and discredited people. So I was one of those people like in the 90s. I was like, oh, I was fascinated by all this stuff. I was very much into UFO and alien culture and watching X-Files. And then, um, you know, then the world kind of fell apart and more important things came along. Um, I hope we do see there was all the news about uh, Air Force um, Air Force pilots seeing these objects and not knowing what they were and capturing video of it. I wonder what these things actually are. They're certainly unidentified, but probably not alien in origin. But anyway, Avi Loeb space balls, likely not alien <laughs> tech. We also mm-hmm. saw the news about Microsoft uh, making My a special God. edition uh yeah maybe this is alien tech uh they have made a pizza scented uh xbox controller you could win one in a giveaway i i kind of love this i'm sorry i saw the news and i was like we need to talk about this i mean it's a ninja Ninja turtles promotion so it's for that movie coming out but sam would you get it hey do do we need to do like a like a a a nose on uh when people kept licking people kept licking like consoles (laughs) and like psps and like 
that was like a, that was, was like, like a weird moment in time for a while too because they had a bad uh, flavoring so the kids don't eat switch little switch carts. Um, my question is, don't most controllers already smell like pizza? You this gross. Seems redundant. This seems <laughs> you gross. Redundant. See, that's, that's, that's after the fact. You know, after after the the, the long gaming sessions and you get all uh-huh. the pizza grease on it. Yeah, mine smells Uh-oh. great. I don't Uh-oh. know what you're talking about. Mine doesn't smell like anything. I just sniffed mine for those of you. Okay. Who can't um, see okay. This. But yeah. I mean, I, I I think it's silly, it's stupid, and that's why I like it. Sure. Yeah. What what a better way to sell a Ninja Turtles promo? But right. But my question is, how did they get the pizza sent in there? You know, it's not sent, a... sent I can't. I cannot imagine it smells good. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. like it's. Think about it. Like, what are all the things that smell good about pizza? You have like the cheese and the the bread and the pepperoni, pepperoni. and it's like it's pineapple. You, I can, yeah. I can. As I read this story, I was smelling like this controller in my mind. So I can. There are scent experts who you know deal with all sorts of stuff for perfumes. So certainly, I'm sure somebody has figured out this technology. Hey, but I, I do want to. I mean, as, as, as a kid who grew up with scratch and sniff Snickers back in the day, like, yeah. hey, all, all for it. Let's all do it. for it. Uh, remember Earthbound? I think was it the poster or the strategy guide for Earthbound had like a really disgusting smell, and that was a marketing campaign for Earthbound. Amazing. I remember it made my game pro smell really bad. And I was like, that that is that's something. That's an interesting ad. Wonderful. Let's move on to some AI news. Uh we saw a story this week. Uh Netflix has listed an AI job which will pay up to nine hundred thousand dollars. It the range is three hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand. Um it's a machine learning platform product manager. And we just wanted to point this out because it seems kind of ridiculous at a point where uh, the WJ is striking, actors are striking over, you know, proper pay and residuals from these companies, um, paying a person up to $900,000 to do AI work just seems ridiculous. Um, And I'm just going to read a little bit from the story here. It actually, when we first saw the story, I thought it was just about like platform stuff, but According to our report on Engadget by Lawrence Bonk, uh, the job listing does say that the AI will be used to create great content and not just develop new algorithms to recommend shows and movies. Um, Netflix also has another AI-heavy job, a technical director for generative AI uh, at its game studio, and that'll pay up to $650,000. Folks, if you have programming backgrounds and like a hint of AI, just put AI in your resume and maybe maybe you're going to get a nice <laughs> bump somewhere. I'm I'm quitting. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go apply just, for the 650k yeah. job. I mean, you could also be I, why be AI when you could just be an NPC, Sherlin. So <sighs> the opportunities are out there for you. <laughs> Bleep bloop. No ice cream, so good. Ice cream, so good. Netflix is also currently airing a Spanish language reality show called Deepfake Love. So they're all already producing some content from this type of stuff. Um, it scans contestants' faces to create AI-generated deepfakes. And its gaming studio already employs a generative AI to compose narratives and dialogue. That's not too surprising. Not too surprising for games. We're going to see AI used in more things. It's just fascinating to see the speed of it and the value these companies are putting on AI experts already. Just seems a little I, ridiculous. I was going to say, it, it seems like just yesterday, like Love is Blind was like the, the hot new dating show. And then in like the, what, three or it four or is. five years since then, <laughs> it's just like the, the, like the amount of iteration they've been doing on this format. And now they're bringing deep fake AI, uh, you know, peep models for people's faces. It's just like, man, it's like, it's it's a whirlwind. It's just like hard to for, keep track of. And for what it's worth, AI is the like phonetic spelling for the Chinese word for love. I, by the way. So, hey, there we go. <laughs> coincidence um, i think not sorry deepfake love is the one do you guys know the premise of deepfake love nope i believe this is the show this is a show that um 
Uh, it uses it tests the participants to see how much they know about their significant others. I'm reading from the Cinemaholic here. I believe this was a show where you would see your partner kind of go off somewhere with somebody else and you don't know if they're they're doing things you don't know if it's the real person or if it's an ai version of is a it person. a deep fake or is it a deep a real deep is that what it is oh god so just like the things that fan like uh you know reality should playing on everybody's insecurities just just everything um okay all right okay Good well job, we'll be keeping Netflix. an eye on all this uh also want to quickly shout out google microsoft OpenAI have launched the frontier model forum um, as a measure to ensure the safe and responsible development of frontier AI models. Um, this kind of relates to what we've been seeing from these companies uh, talking with, uh, you know, Congress and saying like, please regulate us. Uh, Sam Altman from OpenAI was doing that as well. There is a lot of skepticism around this from actual AI researchers because uh, these companies basically tried to do something like this back in 2017, 2018, uh, basically it's a measure to be like, hey, we're all going to work together and we're going to help to re- self-regulate ourselves for AI. And that doesn't really mean much. So we we don't know. We don't know. Um, Emily Bender, a computational linguist at the University of Washington, says it seems like an attempt to avoid regulation to assert the abilities to self-regulate she's very skeptical of. Um, and they're also focusing on a lot of those fears that we've already you know, said are just kind of bunk. Machines will come alive and take over. Uh, she points out that that's kind of a distraction from the actual problems we have to do with data theft. There's surveillance and putting everyone in the gig economy. So yeah, the regulation needs to be done. Uh, I personally don't believe in self-regulation, but I just want to shout out that these companies say they're doing something. So there's that. I mean, we've seen yeah. Meta try it with the Facebook oversight committee, right? Or I don't know what they call it. I mean, it at least that, that was supposed to be like independent. Um, so, like that yeah. was actually a setup to have so-called imp- independent And it's still... Setup. Did not go well. So. Not go well because the board kept pushing things back to Facebook. Right. Yeah, that was exactly kind of a mess. Uh, anyway, let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, you guys can go first, actually. Uh, Shalyn, what are you working on? Uh, so Sam and I will be starting in earnest our reviews of the Samsung products that were unveiled this week. I have the Galaxy Watch 6 Classic and the Galaxy Z Flip 5. Send me your questions, what you want to know the most. All your input always helps me with my reviews. Um, and then I have some secret projects I'm working on in the background. More, I have actual interviews lined up this week, so I'm actually pretty... It's gonna, it's, We're getting a move on this story, so that's good. And the watchOS 10 beta that I've been testing is going to go up at some point. Trust me, it will. I just, good to hear. Yeah. Sam, what's what's up with you? Yeah, uh, kind of, you know, speaking of uh, small compact EVs, uh, I got a chance to check out the Volvo EX30 at its North American debut uh, a couple days ago. And, you know, if we're talking about compact EVs, this thing is really interesting. It starts at $35,000 um, and you get 275 miles of range, but it's actually kind of, you know, what it's what Google, I mean, sorry, it was what Volvo is calling calling the first premium electric compact SUV. And it's like, you can kind of see it because it has a lot of the really interesting features from its bigger brother, the EX90. Um, and it has a very interesting design, but in a much smaller package. And, it, you know, for someone like me who lives in the city, it seems like a really good blend of nice premium features. You get a, you know, big, uh, large-ish touchscreen, um, you know, that classic uh, Volvo Scandinavian uh, minimalist interior design. So beautiful, and, yeah. Yeah, and you sh- you like really a lot of nice features. Um, so stay tuned for that. We should have a video and uh, a first look for you uh, probably very early next week. Um, and then, you know, working on the Z Fold 5 review and uh, a couple other things, uh, the Lenovo Yoga Book 9. Um, so, you know, got some reviews in, in the pipeline. 
I am so excited to see more of these Volvos. I am still still annoyed, Trillin. You got to you got to sit in the Volvo EX90 at CES, and I'm like, it's so nice. It's it is very nice. It's I still have nice yet car. to write about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just, just opportunity wasted on Trillin. I did bigger. a video though. Y'all can you check did do out a video. An Android, hey, that's content. Android Auto that's content. Video. But yeah, it is nice to see a smaller Volvo. Uh, we are seeing so many more big EVs. You also covered the uh, was it the Kia EV9, which is their big three row SUV coming at the end of the year or early next year at this point. I'm excited about the X90. Like, th- there's just so much happening in the world of EVs. Um, yeah, and I really want to check out the the Mini Aceman, which is they're going to be like their purpose built uh, EV, um, which uh, you know should be out relatively same time frame. I really want to check out that VW the van because I feel like that. Oh, the, the new yeah Mini the, Buzz. the ID Buzz. Mm-hmm. The ID Buzz looks very cute. We've seen there's some videos around around the North American spec on that thing and. It's not super fast, but it doesn't need to be. That's another like very hey. Instead of a minivan, here here is an option. Rather, instead of a big super fast Rivian R1s, here is something that can hold your family and a bunch of stuff, and you can go on road trips. And it seems like such a perfect use of EV technology because you want a big flat floor, anyways, which is what you exactly what you want in a van. Vans are going to be moving people around town. You know, you know, taking taking the kids to soccer or practice or you know whatever. And it fits a lot of people, so you're getting that, like, you know, increased efficiency. Yeah, uh, need to see more compact EVs and more uh, EV vans, definitely. Dev, what are you working on? I am testing the Nomino Podcast Recording Kit. This is something, I think I talked about this a couple of months ago, but this is the company, uh, they got some coverage back in May because they launched this thing. It is a $3,000 self-contained podcasting kit with um, a little, it has four wireless lavalier mics. It has a separate space recorder, which is the, basically acts as the audio recorder and also captures spatial data and uh, noise floor stuff too. Like, so it can help to like, you know, cancel out background noise. Uh, when this thing was announced, it was three. It was three thousand dollars. We thought it was pretty crazy. Um, now it seems like the company has reduced the price. It is like twenty four fifty. It is closer to twenty five hundred now. And I've been testing it for a couple of weeks, um, just taking audio all around the place. And it's a pretty cool setup because it's a little square wireless thing. Um, it attaches to your clothes with magnets. Uh, the idea is that this is great for like local podcasting. So back when we were in the office, we used to have, you know, a bunch of microphones and stuff. We had to go to a specific room, have all that stuff captured. It would go to a computer. Uh, the Nomino kit, um, you just kind of have this little cute egg-like case. You could bring it to any room. You could bring it even outside, set it up with four people, record audio, which gets stored on these little lavaliers. That gets sent to the base station, which uploads it over Wi-Fi to Nomino's uh, cloud system. And from there, you can download the audio and uh, also eventually even edit it right online. They also say they have AI tools for optimizing audio sound too. So like reducing background noise, normalizing levels and stuff. It's it's like an all-in-one uh, kit. I'm working on coverage for this right now. But you know what, folks? Here's an example. This is me talking on my normal microphone, which is a Rode uh, Procaster XLR mic on my computer. And this is me talking on the Nomino uh, wireless lab. And uh, I'm just going to leave it up to podcast producer Ben to work his magic to make all that work. <laughs> I'm getting a thumbs up. Um, this seems ridiculous, but the more I think about it and the more I play with it, I, I am like impressed. Uh, this company is based in Norway. They are approaching this problem like head on. Like, how do we solve like a high end solution for podcasting studios and for companies and for people who can't afford to like send an audio engineer out with people every time they have to do a podcasting thing? It is pretty cool. And I think in that respect, I could see a company buying this and being like, okay, well, we have multiple podcasts or we have like one podcast and we don't have a dedicated room set up for them. 
or we need to be flexible or go to different places. So somebody can charge us up, it charges over USB-C, take this thing somewhere within 30 seconds, have a lab on everybody, hit a button, start recording, and then it all gets sent to the cloud. So in my experience, it seems to be working fine. Um, I have yet to see, this is the longest recording I've done with this thing, so I don't know if any problems are gonna crop up. Um, but my only question is like, I wonder if you can't get online, can you easily extract the audio from the base? I'm not sure if that works yet, and I think that's something engineers would want. But on the plus side, like the idea, like if you had a remote team that was like, you know, out in the field, like I'm gonna record this interview and um, you get to Wi-Fi, spit that thing up, your audio engineer somewhere else, like back in your office or working from home or wherever, can get grab that audio immediately and just start working on it. So I think for some companies, this could be a really cool workflow. The tech is really cool. The hardware feels very good. It's very Apple-esque. There's a lot of like thoughtful ideas around it, including just the way, I love the way like these things are just, the lavaliers are like nestled around the space microphone and the little charging uh, say, you, you showed us the, the design. I really like how it's a self-contained unit. Self so you can just, everything packs inside the, the, the case and you can just throw in a bag and go. And you that's like yeah. what appeals to me the most. It seems really cool. Every time I have to do like a local recording, like I kind of rack my head, like what is the best way to do this? Should I bring, just should I like hold an audio recorder up to somebody's face? Should I have like a wireless? Should I, I don't, wireless labs are expensive. Even like it's cheaper than this thing, but they're still expensive. Or should I just like clip, have a, stick mic should i like clip wired mics connected to something is kind of a mess and this tech just kind of uh, gets rid of all that it's not for everybody but this feels like an ipad pro solution right it's not the iphone to solve all your podcasting dilemmas but for the people who need a very high-end solution that is um you know high quality the audio also sounds good um i think it could be great so yeah, that's a Nomino uh, podcasting kit. I don't know if they're even shipping this thing yet. Um, it seems like this company is just like in a holding pattern for a while. But I hope it gets out there and I hope people get to use it. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Sherlyn, what's up? I got a bunch of things. So I have started watching um, Suits for the first time. I know, always is always behind. <laughs> okay. Very slow, very late. You're like, who's uh, this Meghan up- Markle lady? I gotta, I gotta look yeah. into her background. <laughs> Wait, oh, no. I mean, I've, I've always yeah. known she's mm-hmm. on it. I just never had the interest to watch it. But then it popped up on Netflix and I was like, yes. all right, let's give it a yes. shot. I mean, I, I liked White Collar. So I was like, all right, this feels, <laughs> you know, vaguely similar in that it's yeah. two white men yeah. running yeah. around doing things uh-huh. in the corporate world. Um, Gabriel Macht, I think is his last name. I don't know how to pronounce it. He is so cute i've been been enjoying that now the other show that i've watched that i really enjoyed that didn't seem to get great reviews is actually the watcher on netflix this is about this house uh on 657 boulevard in new jersey um and then this family moves in uh, and <laughs> the ryan murphy letters. show yeah yeah yes it's ryan murphy and it stars uh bobby cannavale i kind of bobby cannavale yeah Kind of all, yeah. Um, great. I actually really like it. It's got some sort of like slow dread. It builds up. It's I enjoy. Oh, oh, oh! Don't forget my queen Jennifer Coolidge is in it too. She's, She's awesome. In it, yep. Um, so I enjoyed it despite the mixed reviews. I think it is atmospheric, but you know, it's not like the best thing in the world. And then my last recommendation is related to the AI Netflix stuff that we've been seeing. I le- at least I suspect this is AI, right? I've been. I went to trivia last week Yay. and then I was like, oh, let's do more. <laughs> and then I came back and then I scrolled on my Netflix and Netflix was like, we actually have a trivia game for you that you can play on your TV. It's just trivia on Netflix. You click the title. I don't I don't really know what to tell you how to look for it. Just look for it. Hey, Sherlyn, 
Dude, there's, there's a trivia game on TV. It's called Jeopardy. You, you Stop can watch it. That. This one, no, it's not watching. You can play this on Netflix. You can Sam, play it. It's interactive. You play this. But Sam. Sherlyn, the beauty of Jeopardy you just is shout that out the you TV. can play it Stop home it. Yeah. just Stop by it. watching it. It is Stop interactive. It. You shout at the TV. That's how that's, you yes, watch Jeopardy. That's, this, yeah. this is how, you don't understand this is the meaning my, of the my, word. My family has, has enjoyed trivia for, for generations. Mm. We shout at the TV. We do not, I do not, I'm a, like, whatever. Anyway, so anyway, if you want to play a trivia game on Netflix, you can play it one player or multiplayer. I think it's up to two. And you use your remote to select the answers and you have a score target to hit and they're challenging. I felt very dumb. So this was great. Uh, so enjoy. Talk about something that could also be powered by AI, by the way. Like AI yeah, will just power it feels like an AI. Infinite, right. infinite trivia game. That's it. Exactly. You, you just be on Netflix But this forever. feels like the perfect application for AI for Netflix. What's up, Sam? Sure, there's also there's also Jeopardy games. Just, just <laughs> I know. I also play Wheel of Fortune on my phone, Sam. But this is a TV game by Netflix that felt topical. Do not insult me by comparing Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. They are different games. Anyway, anyway, game. Sam's gonna be part of my trivia team. So just so you know, shout out to trivia teams. Yeah, I do. I do miss having trivia groups around in New York. Uh, Sam, actually, before we get to you, Sam, uh, Sherlyn, are you watching Servant at all on Apple TV Plus? Servant, not yet. Yes. I've been that, hearing that is about wasting your time on uh, on this. Um, yeah, this other thing. Uh, Servant is weird and wild <laughs> and creepy in a good way. It's by by M Night Shyamalan. So like he he okay. gets it right. I think Servant is things, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I I kind of know your taste in horror, Sherlyn. So I feel like you would really enjoy that. Sam, what are you watching? Uh, so I'm watching. Uh, I think the the finale season finale of uh, Secret Invasion is out this week. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. finish that up. Oh, it's um, out. Yeah. But I. I'm also really enjoying uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, which is a, a kind of shonen battle anime. Um, just came back this summer for season two, and uh, I've been really enjoying that. Uh, some of the best action, uh, like Demon Slayer, in this show have like some of the best action sequences uh, in anime right now. So if you if you like your old school battle anime, uh, check it out. Okay. Um, first of all, Sam, I have to ask, like, how do these compare to like old school Veroni Kenshin? Or something, because that to me that was the milestone in Dragon Ball Z. Even then, but Kenshin was like the thing I lived for for a very long yeah. time. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's the premise is uh, different because it's more uh, more of a supernatural right, for right. Jujutsu. It's more like Bleach. Like, yeah. Demon, Demon Slayer is like very very much like uh, Rurouni Kenshin in that it's like old school samurai uh, kind of action, and so I, I mean. You appreciate how far animation technology has come when you watch these more modern shows. And so, you know, the classics are the classics. Like, you know, they're, they're you know, DBZ, Roni Kenshin, uh, like, th- they'll be, you know, legends forever. But, it, it, you know, if you want something that's like, hey, you know, let's see how, how anime has evolved throughout the last, you know, a couple decades. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Check it out. Very cool. Um, I, I, I still like, whenever I rewatch Ninja Scroll, which is a thing I see every couple years, I, I do... That era of just like pure hand drawn stuff where things were so detailed and so like beautiful, like I do feel like we lost a little bit of that with the CG anime era, and that really annoys me. So it is nice to see these shows being out there. I think Studio Trigger does like beautiful animation too for big action these days. And I, I kind of feel the same way about like modern animation in general because we have a lot of these CG, you know, Pixar style, uh, you know, movies, and there's nothing wrong with them. But it's like I, I miss the old school like hand drawn Bambi animations and you know a lot of the old old school like Disney cartoons from back in the day. And so I, I, I want both. Shout out to the Spider-Verse movies for really, I think, up like really upgrading what people expect from both CG animation and also be a loving tribute to like hand-drawn stuff. Um, Sherlyn, like, are, are you doing modern anime at all? Or are you just like 
Wait, what's Nothing that? modern. All card captor, you know. Uh, Shout out to card captor, Sakura. Shoujo, yeah. Pet Shop of Horrors, Triple X Holic, really old clamp stuff. And that's all old I clamp stuff. I mean, remember X? Oh, oh man, remember X? X. Time to rewatch X. Oh God! Oh, oh we come full circle. I, th- I think this um, is it. This is Elon Musk was clearly a clamp fan. I did. Who's just really <laughs> yeah. into X. God. I did recently watch um, Assassination Classroom. It's pretty good too. That's pretty good. Um, okay, I, I'm trying to. This is all on the side, but I'm trying to like you know sneak my daughter into animatum, and uh, it's been Sailor Moon so far. Yep. Um, and yep. I think that's worked out pretty well. But also all the Miyazakis. Like she loves the Miyazakis. My plan may be slightly slightly bad because I've shown her the best of the best, and it's like everything else is just like it's really hard to like get get into that. Anyway. Oh, Ron, as- high school host the club. I, I love her in high school. Um, Sam, thank you so much. Um, do you want to say, are you enjoying Secret Invasion? I tapped out, man. <sighs> no, I, bored. I was bored. It's so too. bad. I, I'm, bored. I, I'm continuing to watch it uh, because my wife, I think, is more interested <laughs> okay. and invested she than devoted. I am. She devoted. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I love Samuel L. Jackson, so I will, you know, I always enjoy his performances. That said, uh, you know, the whole secret clone, uh, evil clone trope is not my favorite style. Um, but it's fine, and apparently this finale—I haven't watched it yet—has some big implications on yeah. the MCU, People? whatever that may be. People so if you saying... are, you know, a big MCU person, then I get—I think you kind of have to check it out. Yeah, people keep saying this is the lowest watched uh, MCU season finale so episode boring. ever. It's yeah. so boring. It's a shame I'm because still I, 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 I I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Anyway. Anyway. Didn't you have a didn't you have a recommendation for us to dev? I do have a recommendation. But it seems like so an obvious one. I have done the Barbenheimer thing, uh, not back to back because I think that is I'm insane. So These are two movies that you really need to watch and like drink in for a little bit, especially especially Oppenheimer, I'd say. So yeah, I have done Barbenheimer. I've written about Oppenheimer on the site. Uh, I think Oppenheimer is a really fa- fascinating movie, but it doesn't quite gel together for me. Like it does the Nolan thing of um, you know this is talking about the story of Oppenheimer and the. Uh, rush to build the atomic bomb and uh, his personal responsibility feels around that. I think it's a really interesting movie, but man, it is, I just feel it's so disconnected. I'm still pissed off about like what that movie, how that movie treats the women in it. And there are two featured women and for a three hour long movie, like Emily Blunt should be more than the nagging alcoholic wife. And that just really annoys me. Um, but it is really well made. And I think Nolan is just like really honing in his style here. So I haven't seen it in IMAX yet. Maybe next week. Uh, I was far more impressed by Barbie, which I think is a perfect movie. Just a fascinating movie. Greta Gerwig has made great movies. All of her films have been great. And this one is a wonderful deconstruction of like of patriarchy and toxic masculinity and the like rules that this society imposes upon women. It is so smart. It's so funny. It's so fascinating. Uh, Simu Liu's in it. Um, You know, Ryan Gosling is wonderful in it. Uh, Everybody is fantastic. The songs are great. I think you're going to love it, Trillin, so definitely make time for it. Oh, I cannot wait. I've been dying to watch this It will definitely, like, give you you some life because of how much fun it is. Um, It is funny to see Simu Liu be more charismatic here than he was in Shang-Chi. I didn't like him very much in Shang-Chi. Um... But yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really good. So check it out if you can. And don't be like me. I didn't quite realize everybody was dressing up by the time I went to my <laughs> screening. So it was a sea of everybody pink. Everybody did. Everybody was in pink. And I was like, oh, I, I looked down. I was like, oh, I'm in all blue this year This <laughs> for the screening. And I just kind of stood out quite a bit. So I was like, no, I'm not a Reddit. I'm not a Reddit troll. I'm not here to troll the movie. I want to I wanna like it. Uh, Barbie is very good. 
So check it out, folks. And it's also cool to see that both of these movies are doing really well in theaters and just really pumping up the box office. And I want to see, see it theater survive. So Especially I think since that might be the some of the last big AAA titles for a while uh, yeah, with the strike going. That's a whole other thing, and maybe we'll talk about it later. But it does seem like because the strikes are ongoing, because the studios and producers are being complete jerks and not really negotiating, um, movies may get delayed for a while. And I'm very, very sad about that. Yeah. Again, but specifically, I'm sad about Dune Part 2. If that gets delayed till next year, I'm going to... It's going to make me cry a little bit. But anyway, folks, uh, I think that's it. And like Devendra said, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... Oh, I'm at Devendra at Mastodon.social. I'm at Devendra on Blue Sky as well. Find me on all the things. I'm on threads, and I'm I'm not going to post on threads, but I may reply to you if you ping me on threads. It's kind of the way I've been using it. also want to quickly shout out, uh, last week's episode was jam-packed. And if you have not listened to it, we have some great interviews. We had um, James True join in to talk about his AI immortality story. We had interviews with the guys behind Lake Clown Tyrone, which is fun and on Netflix. So... Be sure to check out last week's too. If you want Sam, you can find him online at... At Sam Rutherford on... I don't know what to call the service now, but you know what I'm talking about. If you need me, I am at Instagram on threads and Instagram. That's C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. I need to figure out how to get a new threads handle. Do not even try me on X. I am Xing out of there. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. I'm sweating as we speak, just FYI.